What's up, everyone? It's J&J with Justin and Jordan. What we got today, Justin? So today we'll be reacting to game one of every playoff series, and we'll be starting with the Eastern Conference. We'll be doing the one through eight matchup first. So what you what did you think mainly was the most important about this Bucks Miami series? I mean, like so far, I think there's two glaring issues already: the two injuries. Giannis fell on his back really bad. Uh, Tyler Hero just broke his hand. Still made a three after it, but he broke his hand. We got no clue how long Giannis is out. Tyler Hero is going to be out for the series. So how do you think that's going to change the whole dynamic of the series? Yeah, it's tough that the Bucks had to go through that. And I hope Tyler Hero gets better. It sucks having the season that they had and they started seeing some light and that happened. But the, the Heat still got away with the win. Uh, Jimmy Butler doing what he does in the playoffs. Um, he got whatever he wanted, no matter who the Bucks threw at him. Jay Crowder could not stop him. Um, Joe Ingles couldn't stop him. The, the Bucks really have no answer for Jimmy Butler. And I think oh, there was today, um, well, that game, Bam also had a better game. The last two outings, Bam offensively, he left more to be desired. I feel like today's game, he gave us the whole package. He finished with uh, 22 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists. I feel like he really made Brook Lopez uncomfortable because Brook Lopez, as of as of recent, he's been really, really good. But um, this is a, a big win for the Heat, and I know Giannis will be back for game two. Um, but the Bucks really gotta gotta answer him. I know Middleton had a good game, but. It's not enough with, with phenomenal Giannis. game. Yeah. Let's put it at that. Not just good, phenomenal. So you already have confirmation that Giannis is going to be back for game two. Yeah, I, there was a Bleacher Report I seen. Oh, I say he could. They're opti optimistic that he could play for game two. So yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. I didn't know how long he was going to be out. I think even missing game two would be a really bad look for the Bucks. The Bucks this season have been, you know, a pretty decent team without Giannis Antetokounmpo. But of course, when you when you're losing the best player in basketball, in my opinion, it's gonna switch up the whole series. No matter how great Chris Middleton plays, you know, 33 points on 60% shooting, classic Chris Middleton game right there in the playoffs. Drew Holiday had a 16 and 16 game on some pretty bad shooting. Bobby Porter's played really good, but even that. It's not enough when you know you have the best guy in the league on your roster and he goes down. We don't know how it's going to affect him, you know, with his back. We already see that they're they're taking advantage of this. You know, Jimmy Butler had over 30, almost had 40 points. We had Bam Adebayo looking like the real Bam Adebayo instead of looking like a Costco Chris Bosh. We had him. <laughs> he had a great performance. But if Giannis could come back and be like himself. I think they could they could wrap this up still in five games, maybe six if he looks really bad in game two. I don't think Kevin Love is going to be able to replicate a 18 and eight game off the bench where he was just making all his shots. But I'm not going to say the Heat don't have a chance. I think there's a possible Heat upset. That depends on what Giannis looks like. If he plays game two, and if he plays game two, how he looks after that and after the entire series. But so far, I'm definitely going to stick with the Bucks in five. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Bucks. The Bucks need Giannis to come back because as good as Middleton is, I don't think he could match Jimmy Butler's production in a series without Giannis. That's going to be really tough to do. But if Giannis comes back, like we know he he's capable of playing, I'm confident that the Bucks could just pull this one out.
Yeah, Chris Middleton, as great as he is in the playoffs, as efficient as he is, I mean, the guy looks like prime Kobe sometimes when he's out there just making mid-range after mid-range after mid-range. You know, sometimes it's not enough. Like, the, the whole team played pretty damn good. As I said, Drew, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis all came out to play, but you're not going to be able to win without Giannis. And right now, from what you just told me with his injury update, there's a lot of optimistic belief that he's going to come back for game two. I think they're going to be able to wrap it. I understand playoff Jimmy is a whole other animal. He looks damn near unstoppable sometimes. But when Giannis comes back, I don't think they have anything to throw at him. I don't think, you know, Bam Adebayo is going to be able to stop him. Yeah. And now we can move on to the first game of the Boston Celtics and Atlanta Hawks. The Boston Celtics won this game 112-99. to And this game was just a smackdown just off the rip. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch this whole game. I was getting a cut at the start of this game. And I thought at first, okay, the Hawks, they could kind of make it interesting. But after that first quarter, I was just like, bro. <laughs> the, the Celtics put up 29 points in the first quarter to Atlanta's 19. And Jalen Brown was just, he couldn't be stopped. I know how you feel about Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. But yeah, I... And Trey Young, he couldn't do anything in this game. Five for 18, 16 points. He, le- he left a lot on the table. Uh, DeJounte Murray could have been better. The stat sheet looks nice with 24 points. He could have been better, but the Hawks just got beat down. Like It was embarrassing to watch. Like At halftime, I didn't even want to watch the game anymore. But how do you feel about this game? To be brutally honest, it was a boring-ass game, and, and I did watch the game. It, it was boring, you know. Of course, I like seeing JB and JT get in their bag, but, you know, Derek White even had a 20 ball. He had, what, like 24, 25 Shout points as well? Shout out Derek White, Colorado. Exactly. Um, I know you spoke about DeJounte Murray, and you made a great point. Looks great on the stat sheet, right? Box score looks phenomenal. Looks like an elite player. When you watch the actual game, it looks like a really ugly 24 points. It was it was bad. It was a bad showcase for the entire Atlanta Hawks team. Um, I don't know what happened to Clint Capella. You know, you go from a guy who just grabbed like 20 rebounds a couple of days ago to to now this, this type of performance. Um, Bogey didn't play good at, at all as well. So I'm starting to think that this series is basically going to be a wrap. Um, I have no faith in the Hawks at this point to even pull out one game because you have your backcourt being your two best players. And then you have Derek White and Marcus Smart being thrown at them. Like, how are they going to score? How are they going to be able to take over a game? Because I think both of them need to drop 25-plus, you know? These guys got to combine for 50, 60 points for them to have a chance to win a game. Are they really capable of doing that uh, against these two incredible defenders? You get past Marcus Smart and Derek White, what else you got to face? You got to face JT and JB. Let's say somehow you get past them. Who are you going to see in the paint when you're driving in? Rob Will. I think this, this Celtics team has no weakness on defense. Uh, they have a couple weaknesses on offense, but the Hawks aren't going to be able to take advantage of it. But at this point, I think this series is a wash. I think this is going to be a sweep. What you think, Justin? How far is this going? I could also see it. Be, I, I could see it being a sweep as well. I think Atlanta could maybe get one game in Atlanta where Trey Young goes off for like 35 and catches the Celtics on a bad day defensively. But, I mean, you can't really overreact this game one. People tend to overreact after one game, but that was just embarrassing. Like, I don't even know. I think the Hawks could get one, but that's it. 
that's really it. Trey Young just has to be better. He's he's a I'm I'm not really a plus minus guy, but he's minus fourteen, five turnovers. You just have to be better. And I don't know. I don't I can't I'm not really confident in them going forward. He play like shit, you know, like we don't we don't gotta be nice. He play like, you know, pure shit. This <laughs> is a guy who's supposed to be like a, a thirty and ten guy for your team and you laughing, but he really did play terrible, you know? Plus, minus, eye test, whatever you want to use, field goal percentage, true shooting, don't matter. Traditional stats, advanced stats, eye test, it don't matter. He played horrible. I don't think he did anything good on the floor. And when you're one of the worst defenders in the league, you got to make up for that on offense. I think at the start of the season that this team was very overhyped. I had no faith in the Hawks. You know, people said Hawks are going to be contenders. But look at where they're at now. These guys right now just got cooked by real contenders, the guys who made the finals last year. But that's all I'm going to say about the Hawks because I don't think they even deserve that much time until they prove something. They have to prove something to me either in game two or game three. Do not let the Celtics take a 3-0 lead because it's going to be a sweep. These guys swept Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. There's nothing that the Hawks have done to show me that they can avoid the same fate that two of the best players in the league did. And I'm not going to lie, if they get swept, like, bad, like, they don't even come close, I think the front office is going to start looking at Trey Young like, yo, come on, bro. Yeah, like, you gotta, you might have to press the reset button. Cause I'm just keeping it real. They, they, I don't think they've been holding him accountable. I think he just, like, he kind of just does whatever he wants. But I feel like if they get beat down and, like, swept, not even close, because at least that Celtics-Nets... It was a sweep, but every game was type close. It was by like a basket sometimes. Yeah, but if they get swept bad, I feel like the front office is going to look at Trey Young like, come on, bro. Because you have a point because, you know, they've babied him. They fired coaches that weren't to his liking. Yeah. You got you got Quinn in there now, and it's like, I want to give Quinn a whole year. I'm not going to lie, even if they get swept, give this core one more year with, with Quinn under, mm-hmm. uh, under the helm right now, and then you could evaluate, like, yeah. is Trey Young our guy? Mm-hmm. Is this our backcourt of the future, you know? Yeah. It, do we want to run, like, with, with DeAndre Hunter, who was also another guy who really underperformed? Yeah. So it's like, give them one more year, you know? They're yeah. going to get swept, whatever. They're going to get beat down. They were overhyped at the start of the season, but give them one more chance, you know? Yeah. Now, yeah. moving on to the next series, obviously the three seed and the six seed. We got Philly versus the Nets, and... Another game that was a little bit underwhelming, you know? Like, I'm just going to start off from the top. When Tobias Harris is having a good game, that game is basically over. You cannot let (laughs) Tobias Harris be one of the reasons that your team loses, you know? Yeah. Like, it's funny, but, like, there's no reason that he should be the guy that's taking you out. You know, James Harden did not shoot as well. I think he needs to keep shooting, though, to be honest. Start getting better, start getting into the rhythm so that they're ready for the next round. Yes, I am already playing for them to go to the next round already. He needs, to, he needs to really get into that shooting rhythm to be ready to take on the Boston Celtics. Um, and B didn't need to take over. That's what kind of scares me about this game. And B didn't have to take over, and they washed the Nets. And as we were talking on the way here, we didn't expect Bridges to, to do this well because at the start of his Nets like tenure, you know, it was like he was scoring a lot. And in my opinion, you know, I like I like Bridges, but I saw it kind of as like teams don't know how to game plan against this guy as the main star, you know. So he's going to be able to take advantage. Now, like Philly has the data to say, hey, like this is how we're going to game plan around him. And he still dropped 30. I think he had a phenomenal game. Didn't really have too much help. But 
this just seems like another series has to watch. I think this is going to end in a sweep. I mean, I don't think the Nets should even have been here, you know, because they got to this point to make it to the playoffs because of, you know, KD and Kyrie's play. Yeah, That's the whole reason why they have a majority of their wins. But maybe next year they might be able to do something. I mean, Dinwiddie, after his beef with Kuzma, he played terrible, bro. Yeah. After, after, you know, the beef that they started, he had to, like, come out and do something. And now, you know, he's going he's gonna to be bitched by Kuzma if he plays bad this entire series, which would be embarrassing. So that's how I feel. I think there's another sweep. Um, maybe Bridges could really, like, come out again and maybe drop a 40 ball to steal a game. But at this point... I don't really see it going to five. I'm going to take a sweep for Philly. Yeah, you basically said everything perfectly. Um, I feel like the scary thing is Philly, they didn't really play their best game, and they still won comfortably. Like, James Harden had a uh, he had a pretty, like he had a decent game for his standards. Um, Joel Embiid didn't really have to go crazy, crazy, and he still gets his points because he gets to the free throw line so easily. Uh Tobias Harris had a crazy game. Yeah, like you said, if that happens, you kind of should just wrap it up. And then Maxi didn't really have a great game, only took eight shots. But you know he, he could go off for 30 at any time. And I also had, um, I know it was kind of like towards the end of the game, but I was watching at the end. Paul Reed was going crazy at the end of that game. Basketball Paul. Yeah. 11, <laughs> I know he, the, box, the box score said he had 11 and 4, but if you was watching, bro, he was he scored like six straight points. Like I was like, bro, Paul Reed, what the hell is going on? Yeah, he was cooking. Yeah, he was going crazy. Shout out to Paul Reed. But um, for the Nets, yeah, like you said, a lot of their wins came from KD and Kyrie. Because I think after the trade, the Nets went like eleven and thirteen, something like that. So yeah, I think the Nets, they're just kind of just they're just in this series. I I was really surprised with Mikael Bridges because um. I did not think he was going to have 30 like this as the main option in his first playoff game as the main option. I thought Philly was going to come in, key in on him, and he was going to kind of struggle. But to have 30 as the main option in your first playoff game is kind of crazy. I mean, they'll probably key on it, key in on him more to go going forward, but um, I thought that was pretty interesting. But um, other than that, I don't really have much to say. I think Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton could play better. Course, like, yeah. come on. Like, he had five points in 30 minutes. One last thing I want to say about Philly before we move on to the last Eastern Conference series is um, I want to, like, really – I want Doc to really, like, take care of Embiid, you know? Embiid doesn't – as we just saw, Embiid doesn't have to take over the whole game. He, don't, he doesn't have to score 30 with 15 rebounds to win. I think Philly should really focus on getting Maxi, um, Tobias Harris, you know, maybe even B-Ball Paul, get – um, harden to an extent comfortable you know yeah let them take their shots let them all consistently try to get like 20 30 point games so that they're ready for the next round because i think Embiid has to stay healthy there's no reason this guy at this point from what we've seen has to play 35 minutes you know i i feel comfortable with philly's chances of playing Embiid 32 minutes take these you know it's gonna sound disrespectful it's the playoffs but as you said 11 13 that's lottery tier yeah at this point just view these as practice games you know yeah, it's very disrespectful. I know. I just don't think the Nets should even be in the playoffs at this point with this roster. But these are practice games. Let your guys get their buckets in. Let them get comfortable. Let them get into their rhythm. Let them really set into that playoff mode. 
that we all seen Embiid get into. Let these other guys kind of get into that so that they could be a support system. So the final matchup, of course, I would say, if not the most exciting game one, probably number two and very close number two, the Knicks and the Cavs. We already predicted this last episode that this would be the most exciting series. It surely did not disappoint action from the first tip off to the last like um to the last possession so how did you feel about that game i mean a lot of storylines going on donovan mitchell played great you know people say like the storyline is such like oh donovan mitchell should have been a nick this could have been him on the knicks and so on and so forth there's like revenge hometown kid but how did you feel about game one i was really really hype about this game i was watching this game with the boys and um one side note I don't know why, maybe every, I don't know if I was the only one, but watching this game, I don't know why it looks so dark on TV. I thought the TV was just messed up, but it looked, the lighting was just like mad dark. But, um, now yeah, this game was super exciting. I had in my notes, uh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, he can't really be stopped. Like I said, he was really the engine for the Cavs. Um, but there was a lot of glaring holes with the Cavs, like, uh, Karis, their wing depth is horrible. It's terrible. Karis Levert was bad. He was really bad. Um, Isaac Okoro was bad. I, him uh, Between Levert and Okoro, they were two for 13 combined. Uh, Isaac Okoro was left open a lot of times, and he was breaking like crazy. I laughed because me and Colin was watching the game, and um, they, he was 0 for 4 at one point, and he was just wide open every time. Um, Evan Mobley... Had a solid game. I would have liked to see a little bit more from him offensively. Um, but I feel like defensively he could be there. I notice at times, there's times where he's guarding Randall and he's kind of too high. So he can't really help on the on the Brunson drives. Because there was a play at the end of the game where Brunson drove, I believe it was on uh, Chetty Osmond. And uh, Mobley was playing way too high on Randall. He could have been there to help. And I was pointing that out. But... um. Also, Darius Garland has to be better. Like, the stats say he has 17 points, but if you watch the game, he was really deferring to Donovan Mitchell a lot. He wasn't really being that aggressive. And he had he only had one assist. This is a guy in the regular season, he, he averages like eight assists a game. So he has to be a little bit better because I feel like if him, if Garland and Mitchell are going off together, that's going to be tough to stop. Especially if, especially if he's orchestrating the offense like I know he could. He could really do something. And on the Knicks side of things, Randall had a really good first half. The questions about the angle, I felt like, was out the way. He was playing really good. Brunson got into early foul trouble. He had three in the first half, only had six points. Went crazy in that in that uh, third quarter. Went really crazy. He was had me exciting, excited. Um, and also Josh Hart. Josh Hart was... Josh Hart did some things in this game, man. I was really happy. I'm so happy we got him. I was telling people when we traded for him, I'm like, bro, this is a good pickup. And people are like, bro, what are you talking about? And this game shows you. He hit that big three at the end of the game. I was like, that takes some guts to do. RJ Barrett has to be better because he was horrible this game. And I took his under. (laughs) His under. I think his set was at like 17 and a half for points. I... I hammered the under, man. I don't know. RJ, you have to be better, bro. Man, I'm rooting for you. I'm not I'm not going to switch sides like other Knicks fans, but, like, you have to be better, man. 
you were the number three pick, bro. You have to be better. Uh, and it also, I'm also kind of like excited too, cause like we out rebounded the hell out of the Cavs, and the, the Cavs got two seven footers, and we had, we didn't have good games from Q Grimes and IQ, which gives which gives me hope going into the the rest of the series, cause I know they're due for good games, but yeah, this this was a really good win for the Knicks, man. We went to Cleveland and stole one. I think this was really good for us. Yeah, so. Like just uh, you said a lot that that even I agree with you know like and one thing I want to touch on is like you said they have two seven footers, but you know pause but you know it's not the size that matters sometimes you know <laughs> sometimes as we see with Randall you need that girth you got to be stocky because yeah I know that's why I said pause first but we all talk about <laughs> Mobley but Mobley I'm gonna be real Mobley got Mobley needs a sandwich in the weight room. <laughs> Because as you saw when we was talking about it earlier, Ooh. when he's when Randall is boxing him out on that last Q Grimes free throw, it looked like a, a NFL linebacker versus like a a high school like what like volleyball player. Yeah, it's it's insane. Mobley looks like he's two hundred ten pounds, and Randall just looks like this this bull, you know, just pushing him aside. And this was kind of like the the story that we saw throughout the whole game. The Knicks had 51 rebounds versus the Cavs, 38, 17 offensive boards versus 11. I want to give a shout-out not just to Randall for offensive boards, but, you know, iHeart got a really clutch offensive board for us. Shout-out iHeart. Mitchell Robinson got a lot of boards for us. And another thing about mm -hmm. the two seven-footers is, you know, we expected great interior defense. You know, they had some good interior defense. Lacking in the rebounding. And when you're lacking in the rebounding, you know, you should when you have guys like that, you gotta overcompensate with rebounding because you're sacrificing spacing, you know? And spacing is obviously a problem for the Cavs right now when you're playing Jared Allen and Mobley because it's like your wing, as you said, is playing like garbage, you know? Yeah. Shetty Osmond's the best small forward for them in that game, which should not be happening, you know? And I'm gonna take um someone else's take that I saw on one of my one one of these podcasts I really enjoy listening to. If you could put together a Coro and Levert, they would have the dream wing that they want. But you can't do that. And it sucks when, you know, a is kind of getting burned on, on defense and Levert is not providing the offense. So it's like, what do you have these guys for getting playoff minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, as you said, Brunson had a lot of foul trouble in the first half. I was getting worried. I thought I thought the Knicks were gonna lose this game because it was like forty to twenty seven when he went out. Diminished that lead immediately, right when he had to get, right when he had to sit out because he uh, like got all those fouls. Um, and as we've seen in the regular season, when Brunson isn't playing, I'm gonna call Randall a bull again because it's like when Brunson's there, it's like he's reining in that bull. But when he's out, when he's not orchestrating that offense, Randall feels like, all right, this is my time. This is my time to get my shit in, you know. And I feel like RJ is the same thing, but not as much as Randall. It's like this is time like to get my shit in. That just hurts the team. Um, Josh Hart, as you said, phenomenal pickup. Really proved in the playoffs. I knew he could do it in the playoffs, but I didn't think he was going to be this good. Second best Knicks player, in my opinion, so far in game one. I hope he's able to replicate that for a couple of games. I know we said uh, Q Grimes and, and Quickly weren't too hot. That's fine. I think Quickly's going to have a good game eventually. Maybe he'll be able to close the game. But I do want to touch on RJ. I think a lot of Knicks fans are really tough on him. Talking about, oh, we should trade RJ as soon as possible, blah, blah, blah. You know, his offense was terrible. He had a late game turnover that could have cooked us. But 
I don't want to punish him like a lot of these other fans saying, let's let's just send him away. I just don't think that he should be babied either, like a lot of people are saying, you know. But at least the defense is good. I don't think his defense is good enough for him to close games. When the Knicks have to close games, unless RJ is bringing a lot of offensive production, I want Brunson, I want Grimes, I want Hart, I want Randall, and I want either Mitchell Robinson or I Hart. I don't want to see RJ closing. too slow. He's, he's not... He's not built to close. Now, we've seen a lot of games after the, the trade deadline, especially during our win streak. We are winning a lot of those games because he was sitting at the end of the game, you know? And another thing, too, um, RJ likes to get a lot of his points in transition, but in the playoffs, the game slows down and it becomes a more of a half-court game. And his game, he doesn't really have a half-court game. So he's kind of just like, he'll be out of rhythm in a half-court setting. Like, sometimes he'll settle for that mid-range pull-up, but... He doesn't really hit those often. He's mostly a in transition. He gets his buckets. So once the game slows down, it's kind of harder for him. And also, too, he might go three, four trips down. And he might not even touch the ball. So for him, it's it's tough. But you just got to adjust to that. Yeah, like I'm not a really big bad guy. You know, a lot of people care about, you know, what type of Duffy all these players have. But when it comes to RJ in the playoffs, like you're right, he doesn't have moves, you know. He's a big transition guy. When it slows down, he's not going to be scoring that 20, 25, 30 points, you know? We're going to need him to make some three-pointers, which isn't his main game. Yeah, he could do it, but he's not consistent. He's not a sniper. That's not the type of guy that we want, which is why I'd rather opt to have Q Grimes and Hart in the game to close out. And one more thing I wanted to say. There's no reason... That Chetty Osman should be guarding Jalen Brunson. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> I don't know what JB Bickerstaff was thinking, bro. I don't know what that was. I even said it when I was watching the game. I'm like, bro, I know it's crazy, but I'd rather have Mobley guarding him. I, I agree with you. Because I'm makes like, no even, sense. even though Brunson got the, the quick advantage, I'm like, bro, Mobley's just mad long pause that he could just, bro, he would just be everywhere and just bother him. I'm like, bro, Chetty Osman's going to get cooked, bro. But I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I agree. But I also want to pose one more question before we, we move to the West. Like, yeah, we saw that Mitchell at 38 points, pretty damn efficient, too, while, mm-hmm. while we're at it. And he was taking over entire stretches of the game. Like, from what we're seeing now with this Cavs roster, I think, like, the wing depth is, like, really going to kill them from being contenders. How far can Mitchell really carry these guys in the playoffs? Because a lot of the narratives were, if Donovan Mitchell goes off, the Knicks have no chance. I know we might sound biased because we're Knicks fans, but it's like, how many games can he really steal if he's playing like this? Because he just lost, scoring 38 points. Is he going to need to score 45 every single game for these guys to have a chance? I think the bright side about the Knicks is uh, Mitchell had this crazy game and we are still able to pull it off. I feel like the key for the Cavs is just like the other guys stepping up. Like, if the Cavs want to win, Garland has to play like I know he's capable of playing. And we have to get just a little bit more from Mobley. It's really the other guys that just have to step up more. Because this game just felt, the Cavs just felt too Don, uh, Donovan Mitchell reliant. I know Jared Allen had 14, but a lot of those were either, it came off of Donovan Mitchell drives and then he just dished it out to him last minute. Or they were like putbacks. So it was just a, a, the Donovan Mitchell show the whole time. The Cavs as a group, they just have to come together and just play better together. That's the that's the way they're gonna the win uh win this series if they all just play. Um, they just go crazy together. Yeah, I I definitely have to agree with you. I think we're definitely gonna need to see Darius Garland be the all star that, that he is. 
and I'm not going to be as hyperbolic as, you know, some Nick fans. I still think this is still going to seven games. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell by himself could still win you some games as well. It's possible, you know, if he scores, you know, like 45 points instead of 38, this is still a win, you know. It's like a one-possession win, and he's capable of scoring that 45, you know. If Donovan Mitchell scores 40, Darius Garland gets like 22, they can win these games, but either Donovan Mitchell's going to have to play a little bit better, which sounds insane to say because he played like a superstar. Either that is going to have to happen for them to win or Garland steps up and Mitchell stays at this pace. Mitchell cannot play one step worse than he did, you know, two nights ago Yeah, because they're not going to win. So he has to stay at that superstar level and Darius Garland has to step up. Um, maybe Mobley has to step up, but I think Darius Garland has more of a responsibility to step up as that all-star guard than Mobley does. So moving on to the West, starting with the one through eight, we have the Nuggets versus T Wolves. In my honest opinion, again, you know, one one and eight matchups can be fun sometimes. I think this is one of a more boring one. I mean, the T Wolves got cooked even without Jokic having to really try like that. He didn't even score fifteen points. The man fouled out. You know, did he, Justin? Did he even play like thirty two minutes? Did he hit thirty? Mm, he played 28 minutes. So he didn't even play 30 minutes. I thought he at least played 30. And these guys still cooked the T-Wolves. Cat uh, didn't play too hot. Um, of course, we saw Ant-Man didn't really play too good. Kyle Anderson was getting frustrated. Picked a fight with Christian Braun. Um, I don't even have that much to say, to be honest, because I think this is another series, as we said last episode, that wasn't going to be like too interesting if it did happen. Um, I don't think Gobert could stop Jokic. When Jokic really gets into his bag and starts scoring that 20 points, you know, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, I think this deficit is only going to get worse. A deficit like this, without even, like, MPJ or Jamal Murray going, like, supernova crazy, I think is embarrassing, to say the least. And there's no reason for Cat and Ant-Man to both play bad. I think they can steal one game, but both of those guys have to, like, combine for, like, 60, 65 points. Anything less than that, you're not going to win a game if you're the Timberwolves because you're going against potentially three-time MVP. Um, we still don't know what the ballots are like. He could still win the MVP. You're going against a, a potential three-time MVP. You have no capabilities of slowing down. Cat, obviously. But we've seen, like, Gobert can't really handle him either, but Cat is even worse defensively. So Cat's going to have to overcompensate with his offense, and he didn't. The man didn't even score 15 points. Yeah, my takeaways from this game were... um. Jamal Murray just didn't miss a beat. Um, I believe this is his first playoff game since the bubble. And he he played like it was nothing. It was just effortless for him. Um, also, Jokic could really just chill out there and still just cook. Because I feel like just watching the game, he just he's just chilling out there. And then he'll still cook you. And it's just crazy to see. Like, he doesn't really have, like... That's the one thing I really admire about his game. Like, he's just, I feel like he's just, like, going through the motions. But he could still just control the whole game. And, um, yeah, like you said, Cat has to be better, man. He was 5 for 15, 1 for 7 from 3. Like I said in the in the last episode, I know the matchup with him and Aaron Gordon was going to be a little bit tough for him because Aaron Gordon is a physical player. And Carl Towns has been getting into a lot of foul trouble. And, um... Ant-Man has to be better, too. The last the last couple games weren't that hot for him. He has to step up. And um, I feel like overall this wasn't even, like, 
I feel like this wasn't even Denver's. Denver didn't even play their best game, and they were still to win. They were still able to win this pretty comfortably. I watched this game. The first quarter was pretty close, but what ended up killing it was the third quarter, where the Nuggets scored 32 points to the Timberwolves 14. That's really unacceptable. You can't let that happen. But yeah, this was just a wash for the Nuggets, and I feel like they didn't even they didn't even really break a sweat. So that's that's kind of embarrassing. But um, yeah, I don't really have too much to say about this game. It's it, going to five. Yeah, that's all I could say. It's going to five. It's going to be a bit of a boring series. But like I said, man, I feel like we're gonna get some games where they lose, but uh, one of Ant or Towns is gonna play very good and score a lot, but the other one's not gonna you know do too much, so they're still gonna lose. But I think we're gonna get one very good combined game from them, and that's gonna be enough to steal one game. But after that. They're just going to get cooked, bro. They're going to get cooked. So next, of course, we have the Grizzlies and the Lakers. Very exciting game. LeBron's return to the playoffs. You know, we're used to seeing this guy in the playoffs so much that we kind of took it for granted that he didn't play last year. You know, to some people's joy that he didn't play last year, but I definitely miss playoff, playoff LeBron. I think that he just picked up from where he left off two years ago. I think he played a pretty good game. Um, we saw Ja, unfortunately, get hurt. He's in a missed game, too. I think he said it himself. Like, the pain is really bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, I kind of want to get your take. Before I even continue talking about the game itself, I want to talk about the potential of the series. Like, we've seen last year that the Grizzlies are so deep that, you know, there's kind of like the joke that the Grizzlies are better without Ja than they are with him based on, you know, like their record against teams last year when they weren't when they're playing without Ja. Like, they were, like, on pace to win, like, no joke, like 70 wins without Ja. And it wasn't a small sample size either. So do you think the Grizzlies, I say Ja misses maybe two or three games? Do you think they could steal some games? Or do you think like this is a completely different litmus test for them? This isn't the regular season of last year. This is the playoffs. This is prime time. You're facing against LeBron and AD. How do you think they're going to handle this without Ja? I know I said last episode that without Ja, the Memphis Grizzlies are still a really good team. But I feel like after this game, it's going to be really tough for them to try to pull this series out. And, yeah, Jaws a big loss, but I feel like the absence of Steven Adams was really big in this game because Anthony Davis was just going crazy in this game. And Steven Adams' loss was really bad. And also, they're they're missing Brandon Clark, too. That's another big body to have, and they're missing him as well. So I feel like going forward, there's going to be – it's going to be pretty tough for the Grizzlies to win the series, I believe, if John Morant and those two other guys are are out. Um, I feel like LeBron, LeBron did have a good game, but I feel like at the end he was just kind of chilling because we got to see the Austin Reeves show. Shout out to Austin Reeves. And Ray Hachimura had the game of his life. Mm-hmm. That was wild. And, yeah, in the, at the, in the fourth quarter, LeBron was just kind of deferring to Austin Reeves. Which like, sounds so insane to yeah, say out loud. He was just letting Austin Reeves cook, and LeBron was just watching. Like, we never see that. Usually LeBron's the one going crazy in the fourth quarter, but he was the one just... Shout out to Darvin Ham. He was trusting his guys. He trusted Austin Reeves to do what he does in the fourth quarter in, of that game. And LeBron was just... He was all in for it. And it was crazy to see, but yeah. The, I think the absence of Steven Adams is really big, and losing Ja on top of that is going to be a big blow to the Grizzlies. So I think it's going to be hard for them to pull out this series. 
So again, another series is to me that's going to be decided by recovery, um, depending on if Ja comes back, when he comes back, how he's going to come back. I think he's going to decide the series. I think I want to reverse my pick from last week. I said Lakers in seven. I think this might have to go to six then because we just saw, you know, Triple J have probably the best game of his life, you know, offensively and defensively. Yeah, shout out Triple J. Big shout out to Triple J. Phenomenal game. Um, Him and Anthony Davis were going at it. Yeah, they're going back and forth, offense and defense, you know, and it's like I feel bad that he has that incredible game, but they still lose, like, you know, Brooks, did Dylan Brooks things, you know, pretty good defense, shot them out the game still, shot sub 40%. What I can excuse, I can excuse that. I cannot excuse Desmond, Desmond Bain shooting terribly as well when, when Brooks is shooting terribly because you're expecting that from Brooks. You're not expecting that from Bain. And, you know, I do want to kind of agree with what Desmond Bain said post-game. He said, you know, um, it's a seven-game series to see if Rui Hachimura can replicate that. I don't think Rui Hachimura is going to have a near 30 ball again for the rest of the series. But I think Austin Reeves can, you know, replicate this play. I think he's going to be able to get, like, you know, in between that 18 to, you know, like 23, 24 points every single game, as we've seen since, you know, post-trade deadline or post-All-Star, you know, same type of timelines. But... I think without Ja, the Grizzlies are in big trouble. I think, you know, our biggest fears for Grizzlies fans is, you know, when Ja's gone, what happens? Dylan Brooks wants to think that, you know, he's the guy, you know? Maybe he'll have a good shooting game. It's possible he might have one or two good shooting games. But in all reality, I think he's going to shoot his fucking team out the series. I'm just thinking about the video of him walking out the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, you know? He's like, I think he's going to be... Like, no pun intended, he's like the bane of the existence of the Grizzlies fandom. And it just, they couldn't stop the Lakers, you know? Almost five Lakers had 20 points in that game. DeAndre Russell missed it by one point. So, and it looks like, as you said, LeBron could chill. When LeBron is chilling, didn't even score 25 points. I think he had 21, if I'm not mistaken. When LeBron mm-hmm. doesn't even have 25 points, and you see, like, the Lakers have full control of a game, that's a problem. Because when he wants to turn it on at the snap of a finger, this game could get embarrassing, you know? It could get very embarrassing. It could turn into a blowout. If LeBron decides, hey, you know, I did this last game. I barely scored 20 points. I feel like I want to score 35 now while having my guys play, like, pretty good as well. Like, Reeves, D'Lo, and AD. I think this series is going to turn really ugly for Memphis. Yeah, and I I think I might have to change my pick, too. Because last episode, I had Grizzlies in six, I believe. But without Adams, Clark, and Ja, damn man, I might have to say Lakers. I might, I might go Lakers in six. I I agree, man. And I know we talked a lot about offense, but let's talk about defense real quick before we move on. AD, man, without Ja, you know, to penetrate the paint, who's gonna do it then? You know, yeah. when when he couldn't score on AD, and these guys kept running into him. You know, I don't understand why. You know, it's. It was just repetitive, you know? They kept trying to go at him, go at him, go at him. And he just kept proving possession after possession, like, I'm the anchor of this defense. He, he got hurt, I'm back. He got hurt twice this game. Yeah, <laughs> he said, I can't feel my arm. And when he said that, I'm like, oh, man, here we go. But, you know, he came back, stayed locked in, and played some good-ass defense. Bro, seven He looked blocks. elite. He looked seven elite on both sides. Blocks. And imagine if you want to try just a little bit more on offense. And three steals, too. He played incredible. He played like, you know, Pelicans AD, bubble AD, which is all we've been asking for for a couple of years now, you know, since that bubble ring. We just want him to perform like this. 
because we we hold him at this big standard. Do you remember, like, real quick when people would say that he's better than Giannis just because of that yeah. bubble ring? That's the standards that we set for him because we knew he was capable of doing this. I think the Lakers, if AD st- stays this keyed in, like, for the entire series on defense, if LeBron could turn it up whenever he wants, if Austin Reeves could score that 17 or 20 points a game, if D'Lo could play make and score 17 or 20 points as well, I think it's the Lakers in six, bro. Yeah. That's just my take. I know I said seven. Things changed. No jaw. We said that AD's trying. AD stay healthy. This is going to be a six-game series. Yeah. So next we have the North California matchup that we hyped up. Did not disappoint. This was the game that I was talking about that could take away from the Knicks-Cavs being the number one most entertaining game one. It was popping in the arena, bro. I saw, I tuned in early, saw all the fans getting ready. All the fans were hype with their little mini beams. The team was just feeding off that energy. I finally got what I wanted to see, you know, and Fox playing in the playoffs. I've been such a fan of Fox for a while at his lowest lows and now at his highest highs. Almost dropped a 40 ball, making threes, which isn't really his game. I think he really impressed me. Um, he proved that he's him. He proved that he's still clutch, that this clutch award that he's about to steal easily. He proved that's not a regular season award. That's him in the playoffs as well. We saw, of course, Malik Monk play amazing. He dropped a 30 ball. Trey Lyles played amazing off the bench. So bonus was great on the boards, but I'm going to give him the same kind of criticism I gave Randall. I need more offensive production because he was getting handled by, you know, Draymond Looney. I need more offensive production. That's all. Um, I don't think they should rely on Malik Monk to score 30 for the rest of the series. I think him and Kevin Hoyter kind of have to split that 30 between them two because Kevin Hoyter shot terribly. He shot, what, 3 for 12, I believe. And I still think the series is going to go deep. I think it's still going to be Kings and 7. I don't think Steph and and Clay are going to shoot, shoot this poorly. Um, I think Draymond played his role pretty well. Jordan Poole played decently. But I think they're going to make some adjustments. I think the Splash Bros are going to shoot better after this game. They're going to give them some trouble. But I'm sticking with my pick that every team that's home is going gonna, is gonna to win their game. Unfortunately... Kings have home court advantage. Game seven is going to be at home. Still taking the Kings. Still taking Fox to score 30 balls the entire series. Yeah, this game was crazy. And this game lived up to the hype, too. Um, in my notes, I had uh, De'Aaron Fox is him. I was watching this game. I was like, bro, De'Aaron. And it's kind of crazy, too, that I kind of forget that this is his first playoff game. And he just came out like it was nothing. 38 points in his first playoff. He just came out to play. And also, Malik Monk is not afraid of the moment. He never has been since the Kentucky days. He he's always... I know people probably say, oh, he's probably not going to have another game like that. I think he could have like two or three more games like that, to be honest. Because I think Malik Monk is really like that. He's not afraid of the moment. Sabonis. Sabonis on, pa- on, on paper, he had a... A solid to decent game, but I think Draymond and Looney's presence really bothered him offensively. And I knew, I saw on FanDuel that his uh his uh set prop for uh points, rebound, and assists was at like forty one and a half. And I knew that was going gonna be under. That was way too That's high. Way too high. Way too high. So I knew Draymond was gonna give him some problems. So bonus just going forward offensively, he has to be a little bit better. But and he only had. 
you, we all know Sabonis could be a triple-double threat. He likes to get the, – they kind of run the offense through him a little bit. He only had two assists today. I feel like he could do – he could be a little bit better. He also had four turnovers. So he he got to play better. <laughs> Damn, he was five for 17. Yeah. He got to be – shot like shit. Yeah, he, he got to be better going forward. And um, Steph Curry – there's really no answer for that man De'Aaron Fox credit to him he was really on him like crazy fighting through screens staying with him and he had that quote about Delhi almost dying when he was uh, guarding uh, Curry in the finals uh, yeah Curry's gonna get his every game I know Clay had a subpar shooting game but he'll, he'll be better uh, I thought Wiggins in his minutes was really good I know he missed some, he missed a lot of games due to his personal reasons but in this game, I felt like his presence was really felt. I, I think he had like six points in the first quarter real quick, and then he had a crazy block, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that boy is here to play. But, yeah, um, this series is really, it's really going to live up to the to the hype. I think uh, I still got the Kings, even though the Warriors are the veteran team, and I, I could easily see them winning the series, but... I have faith in the Kings, man. You got your your their second best player didn't even play didn't even play a good game and they still ended up winning this game. But yeah, Trey, shout out Trey Lyles too. But yeah, I think I still got the Kings in seven. This this series is gonna go down to the wire. But yeah, that's really all I have to say about that series about that game. Yeah, I think, you know, De'Aaron Fox is gonna after this series definitely going to go down if not already just for getting them to the playoffs he's going to go down as a sacramento king legend he doesn't have to play another game you know after this season and he's going to be certified as a sacramento king legend so the last series we got that went on is the suns versus the clippers one that i thought wouldn't be as exciting without paul george and you know speaking of guys who just picked it off from where they left it off in the playoffs as we said with lebron Kawhi did that times 10 Playoff Kawhi is back. He had an efficient 38 points on over 50% shooting. Um, Kevin Durant versus Kawhi definitely did not disappoint. Um, I kind of do want to talk about, I know we're talking about a lot of the positives. You know, Torrey Craig played a good game. But I want to look at some of the negatives real quick. I think the point guard battle was terrible. It was ugly. CP3, I expect it to be way better than Westbrook. I expect this from Westbrook. But, um... CP3 was missing some bunnies, bro. Right in front of the basket, he was missing a lot of shots. Sometimes they were only, like, lightly contested. He was missing a lot of those easy shots right in front of the basket. And you could definitely tell that he's aging. He's definitely getting really old when he's missing those easy bunnies right there. Westbrook was Westbrook, you know? 3 for 19, that's good for just under 16% field group percentage. Very embarrassing. We're laughing in the car on the way here that... At the end of the game, in that in those late game possessions, you would have you know you would have Plum Dog Millionaire you know bringing up the ball, ignoring Russ right in front of him. <laughs> you had Powell bringing up the ball in transition, Russ begging for the ball. It happened like three times I think that they just ignored him. Whoever was bringing up the ball for the Clippers, go straight to Kawhi and it would lead to a basket. So I think Russ needs to stop getting in his team's way. There's no reason he should take more than, even if he's having a good game. He should not take more than 14 shots. There's no reason that he should be taking close to 20 shots in a playoff game right now. In a game where there's this two-headed monster, I would say three, but CP's underperforming. There's a two-headed monster of Book and, and Kevin Durant. Mind you, 
Kevin Durant start off slow, and look how he ended, you know? He ended pretty damn good. Westbrook started slow, stayed slow. I understand he had that clutch-ass block on Devin Booker. Had me getting out of my seat like, damn, nigga. Like, real <laughs> shit. That's what I said. I said, damn, nigga. That's how I got up. He, he got that block. I was I did not expect that from Westbrook. So... I think Westbrook needs Ooh. to stop getting in his own way because that in turn means that he's getting in his own team's way. <laughs> um, although the Clippers won this game, I don't think they're winning the series. I'm going to take the Suns. I don't know if I want to take it a six or seven. I understand Kawhi is phenomenal, but there's no reason that the Suns should keep losing when Eric Gordon's the second top scorer on the Clippers. Like, seriously, this isn't, you know, like... This isn't Rockets, Eric Gordon. This isn't Pelicans, Eric Gordon. This isn't even first stint, the uh, uh, Clippers, Eric Gordon. Why is he scoring close to 20 points? You know, when he's not even taking as many shots as Westbrook. Yeah, um, I thought I thought this game was really good as well. This, this one lived up to the hype too. Playoff Kawhi is no joke. He came in this game, did not miss a beat. I always love watching Kawhi Leonard, man. He he has a textbook game. Does he isn't too flashy, but he he gets to his spots and he gets he gets the job done. He he does what he has to do. But um, I thought I thought Westbrook. Other than obviously he was three for nineteen, wasn't the prettiest game offensively. But I thought down the stretch his defense was really pivotal for them. He, I think that was really he was looking like his his old days at UCLA when he was locking up. And he became a number four pick because of that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really big for Phoenix. And also, he was clutch at the end. He got he got two big offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. And he hit two clutch free throws. And I, I believe he's like a 66% free throw shooter. So he hit two clutch free throws at the end. And um, for Phoenix, there's just a lot of questions, man. There's a lot of holes. Like, there's glaring holes in their in their scheme and in, the, in their uh, system. I just uh, wrote down that uh, third quarter, they were up 77-68, and Monty takes out everybody except Booker. So Booker's in the game with Josh Okoge, Jacques Landell, Ish Wainwright, and, like, Bismack Biombo, and it's just Booker by himself. So then the Clippers start going on a run, and it's just Booker in that lineup, the only one that could really create. And how do you expect them to pull that win out with that lineup? So I thought that was kind of, like, like Monty, what are you doing? Um, I thought Aiton. Aiton was fine. I feel like yeah, like a quiet eighteen. He's always gonna be that guy where like you kind of just forget about yeah, while you're like watching the game. He scores twenty points, you don't even realize it. But um, another glaring hole for Phoenix too is um, they have no backup point guard, none. So Chris Paul is really your only option, and is. Is campaign on the team? Is he hurt? Because I don't even, he didn't even play. Like, he wasn't even on the, he's not even listed on the bench. I'm not going to lie, I'm laughing because I wouldn't even want him to play at not a game yet. like this. Yeah. I wouldn't even want yeah. him to play. I'd rather, you know, trot out this 50 year old, old ass CP3 and sit him down and have book run point with like the second guys than, you know, throw out a campaign, you know? No, yeah, I wouldn't want campaign either, but like, they, the Phoenix Suns literally have no backup PG, and it's it's a concern because usually Chris Paul will have these decent games and he'll have a stinker here and there, but to have a stinker in game one is kind of concerning. I feel like that that's really, really concerning. I know KD in his first – I know he started the game off like 0 for 5, but he really came through 
later on. Devin Booker got it going. But yeah, I think I don't know. I think I had originally Phoenix in six. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I don't know. I feel like uh the Clippers were in control for a lot of the this game. And I don't want to bring it into like a continuity thing because I feel like both teams are still getting used to playing with each other. Like KD going to the team midseason and then the Clippers adding Eric Gordon and Russ midseason. So you can't really say it's a continuity thing, but I feel like I feel like Ty Lewis, he looks comfortable in this matchup. So I feel like, and Kawhi, I feel like nothing is going to face Kawhi. So I don't know. I don't really want to like change my pick yet, but the Clippers looked really good in that game. And Phoenix still got some stuff to figure out going forward. I agree with you. I agree with you. So just real quick, I know I'm springing this on you. Yeah. Something I want to do at the end of each episode, weekly MVP. I believe all three of these guys, you know, scored 38 points perfectly. Who do you think was the weekly MVP in these game one games? Donovan Mitchell, Kawhi Leonard, or De'Aaron Fox? Mm, I think I would have to go with De'Aaron Fox. Look, I can't fight you on that because I agree with you. I think they all had great games, but just the story around it, Sacramento, you know, riding with you this whole time, first playoff game in years and over a decade, nearly two decades, showing out, making threes when that's not your game, playing great defense. I got to give it to him as it's well. It's close, though, because I, w- I was leaning. It's close between him and Kawhi because for Kawhi to go in to Phoenix. No PG. No PG. First playoff game since. Terrible Westbrook. Terrible Westbrook. First playoff game since uh, 2021. Bro, he was in that like nothing. And he almost had a 40 ball. So I think it's close. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's out the question because they lost. lost. Yeah. But he did have a great game. But um, I don't know. I I would give it. I would lean towards De'Aaron Fox only because it's his first playoff game and you're going up against the defending champs. And you give them thirty eight like it's nothing, and he was he was good defensively too. He had the all around game, so it's co- it's close between uh, Kawhi and De'Aaron Fox. But I would give the slight edge to De'Aaron Fox. I, yeah, I want to give it to De'Aaron especially because this is the playoff debut. Yeah, I'm also biased because I love De'Aaron Fox. But when you go head to head against Stephen Curry, and not only do you beat him out individually, but you beat him in the game, I got to give you the weekly MVP. Yeah. But well, guys. That wraps it up for J&J for the day. We will see you guys next time for episode three. And before we go, I just want to uh, shout out our Twitter. And I hope if you guys are on Twitter, give us a follow. Uh, our Twitter is at the JJ Podcast FM. We'd really appreciate if you guys follow us on Twitter. And thank you for listening to this episode. And we'll see you next time. Peace.